terms of like if you're feeling bad early in a race that long like there's still hope that you can bounce back from it and and rally because you kind of forget that if you've always felt good until the end of races all right i'm here with Aliyah gray and noah Drati. we are three days after the houston half marathon or i guess four days after the houston half marathon kind of a, a mixed bag of results a lot of that had to do with obviously the conditions on the day to give everyone a background, Houston Half Marathon is considered one of the fastest half marathon courses in the U.S. It pulls a lot of top international competition, usually has pacers to go after, whether it's course records, domestic records, or even world records in the half marathon case. Um, just wasn't the conditions for it. it was, starting temperature of the race was about 65, 66 degrees. Humidity was about 96, 97% approached a hundred percent by the end of the race. You could tell it was muggy. It was felt like you were wearing a sweater and I was just walking around on the course. So I can't imagine what it felt like running. So you guys were both in there. Noah, let's start with you. When you were doing pre-race run the day before the race, what were your thoughts on how the conditions were, how the race would play out just based on that humidity factor? Yeah, I think we I think we were all sweating, you know, earlier into that pre-race run than than I would have hoped. Um, and it was warm, and you'd be a fool to think that it wasn't going to slow times down. I think I was still going into the race in kind of a unique position of having a PR of 64.08, which I was still pretty sure I'd run faster than that, um, <clears throat> even on a tough weather day. So it didn't bother me a whole lot just because I was confident I could still run fast, even if we didn't run as fast as I had hoped. I think it was a harder pill to swallow for some of those guys who already had 62, 63-minute PRs because it was going to be harder to run much faster than that in those conditions. But, I mean, it is what it is. The weather, um, it's just just a factor you can't change. Yeah, and we didn't really adjust your race plan going into the race. We thought on a good day with perfect conditions, your fitness was in the 62 range. But at the end of the day, we knew some of the good guys that were going to be in there and guys that you felt comfortable enough to be able to to race against so your race plan didn't necessarily change you feel like their race plan changed a little bit I, I think the pack in general slowed down a little bit um we we still got out fairly hard but we settled into about 450 pace after a few miles and I'm not sure anyone really wanted to bite off more than that um it was about all we could do to hang on to that so I'm sure that's slower than the pack would have gone otherwise, and I think I would have gone with that pack even if it went out, you know, five seconds faster per mile. I think we still would have been there. Um, so the, I still ran with the group I expected to run with. We were just running a little bit slower than we expected, but I would say the effort level was the same that it would have been under ideal conditions. And that group included a lot of the top American guys that were in there, uh, with the exception of Leonard Career, who went out with the lead group. Um, so it was you, Parker Stinson, uh, Luke Biscetter went out a little bit harder, but you guys ended up catching him. Yeah, uh, seven or eight miles, and then the, the Hoka guys were, were in there, um, the NAC yeah. group. and So, yeah, they, we, had a, we had a solid group of, I don't know, eight or so um, Americans really, really pushing. I think we worked well together, and the, the group remained uh, largely intact until the last mile or so. How was the dynamic during the race? Everyone taking their turns at the front? It was, yeah, it was good. Um, I, I'm not sure I 
did my fair share of bleeding like I usually like to do just because I was feeling pretty rough. Um, but the uh, but Scott Smith and Scott Bobble were pretty brave about staying up there and keeping the pace on us. So I, I, I tried to get up there and, and, and help when I could, but I really went through a lot of waves in this race. And so when things got bad, I, I would just kind of float to the back and tuck in. But I would say in general, the group is pretty fair among uh, people who led. And we were saying after the race that that is such a unique, interesting dynamic, male versus female, in terms of racing dynamics. You guys had a big group kind of pushing the pace together, working well. Whereas, Aaliyah, you mentioned on the girls' side, girls just took off and it strung out really quickly. Can of describe that part? Yeah, I mean, I think going into any race, you look at a start list and you kind of eyeball some people that you think you might be able to key off of or even potentially work with. And... All, all of those women, all the American women in the field took off at a pretty, at a pretty good pace. And I, um, I was kind of trying to keep them within eyesight, but was still out, but was still out decently hard. And so, I mean, to their, to their credit, they, they just go for it from the gun. Um, and I guess the women are in a, a little bit of a different position than the men in this race too, where there's a mass start. So we will have some, some other men, running with us that are in the mix a little bit more than just a full female elite field to run with. Yeah, I think every time I saw uh, a girl run by me at, at mile four, she was tucked behind another recreational guy runner that was in there. Um, so it is a little bit different when you guys do have the guys you can kind of key off of versus the guys that only have themselves. They're more likely to kind of cluster up. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's part of it. Um, and I mean, I know that like those are always kind of fun races for me, when I know that there's a mass start, it just, when you have the opportunity to potentially run with more people, I think that's always a beneficial thing and partially why Houston is, is fast just in general each year. And you had come to this race two times prior. This was a, again, like we keep referring to the conditions, a unique condition state based on what you had experienced in the past. It's almost night and day comparative to last year. Yeah. Last year, the conditions were about as, as perfect as they get. I think they were you know, pretty in the crisp 40s at the start and maybe warmed up into high 40s, low 50s by the end of the race, which for long distance running in particular when you're going that far is is just great to run in. You, it, normally Houston's pretty consistent. On the day like that where the weather is such an, a shift in the opposite direction, it's a good lesson. Like you, you hope for the best when it comes to to conditions, but you still have to race at the end of the day you still have to go in with the mindset ready to race and not just checking the weather every day of how that's going to affect the way that you approach a, a pace standard. I, I think, I really think racing, especially on this level, regardless of pace standards. And if you come out of it with a PR or not, you, you want to feel like you've made a step forward in some way, or you've come out and um, learned something for the better from, from the experience. And so at a certain point, you know, when you do have, when you are faced with less than ideal conditions, you kind of have to take a deep breath and know that everyone else on that start line is going through the same thing. And, um, and you just do your best with what you've got. And hopefully, hopefully the result is, is still, is still decent. No, you said during the race, you kind of rode a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> you said at mile four, sensations, sensations yeah. <laughs> at mile four, you know, I'd be standing at mile four. You had considered dropping out mile four <laughs> based on how crappy you felt. 
Yeah, because um, you were you were there, and I was like, well, it'd be great. you know, this is a fine spot to step off and come up with some excuse, and I can just tell him to his face. <laughs> yeah. Ride in the uh, basket on the bike on the way back to exactly. the hotel. Exactly, I don't have to wait for the wagon. Um, yeah, I just I just started hurting way earlier in this race than than I typically have in half marathons before. Um, and I think a lot of that is the was the humidity just kind of messing with my stomach a little bit. Like I was going through a lot of cramping and nausea and, and nausea, and I, I I've just never run particularly well in the heat, and and that continued. But I, I would have stretches where where I'd feel like I was bouncing back a little bit, and I was taking water at every every aid station to splash on myself, and I feel like that kind of kept kept me engaged a little bit. It gave me something to do and kind of woke me up every time, you know, I splashed in cold water on myself. So yeah, I definitely, definitely rode waves and that's where running with the group, um, helps because when you're feeling good, you can float to the front and help push. And when you're not, you can float to the back and rely on the guys who maybe are feeling good to keep the pace steady. So our pace really didn't fluctuate much the whole race. Um, and so that's probably another factor that allowed me to run fairly well on a tough day. So um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot of just in terms of like, if you're feeling bad early in a race that long, like there's still hope that you can bounce back from it and, and rally. Cause you kind of forget that if you've always felt good until the end of races. And we've talked about too, when you do decide to move up in distance to the marathon, that's something that you kind of have to fight through with that marathon distance is just riding those waves of feeling good versus feeling not so good. Um, and just know that your body is still capable of hitting the splits it needs to hit. And you showed me your splits yesterday, relatively even throughout, with the exception of that last mile, um, which obviously shows that you just got gapped a little bit by the guys you were running with. But for the most part, you guys were relatively consistent, which in those longer distance races, especially when the conditions aren't the most ideal, is, is a good, it's a good uh, strategy of how to approach it. Yeah, I think you just have to manage panic because um, when you're getting out faster than you ever have before and you're feeling worse than you ever have before, you, you kind of just have to remind yourself that, you know, I've done I've done this pace and workouts before for this many, like I should be able to run this. Um, and you just kind of have to keep reminding yourself of that and hoping it pans out. And luckily I was able to get to the finish without some kind of epic uh, collapse. So how off. How was it in the technical meeting hearing what the rabbits were going to go out in? Oh, I mean, I thought it was kind of nuts. It didn't didn't really affect me because I wouldn't have gone out with the rabbits anyway. Yeah. Um, but hearing what they planned to go out in uh, sounded suicidal to me. Yeah, it was, in the pre-race meeting, they talked about how the pacers for the lead men were intending to go through 10K and 28.0, which is just, I mean, that's fast. Yeah, I mean, that, those are, I think they were talking ideal weather conditions right. for paces and... Uh, I think everyone was just kind of remaining like <laughs> blissfully blind uh, to the conditions we were going to get the next day and just kind of holding on to hope. Well, and when we say you guys ran at relatively even pace, it's interesting when you look at some of the leaders in the race and how negative or positive split their second halves were relatively to how they went out. Jordan Hesse being the exception who went relatively even split throughout. But someone like Sarah Hall, I mean, she went out at 68 minute pace through 10k and ended up running uh i think 72 minutes so it just shows the conditions yeah i mean there you always want to come out and take a swing especially those people who already have fast prs it's like what do they have to lose by going out fast and maybe they hang on and like have some incredible day and if they fade a little bit you know you can blame it on the weather and move on so 
I wasn't I wasn't surprised to see people still go out hard because you you always hope for that miracle performance and you have to give yourself a chance to do that if you're operating on that level I think, which obviously played a role in the decision that I made when you passed me Aliyah at mile ten to step off the the course because you started developing a blister at about mile two you said you could start feeling it pretty sharp for everyone at home. Aaliyah had been dealing with a little bit of Achilles uh, inflammation for the past two weeks leading into Houston. She, with really cold temperatures that we've had in Boulder, the back of her Achilles got super dry, cracked open at one point. Similarly, if you have like dry knuckles. And so any rubbing of the shoe on the back of the Achilles would just irritate it. She could walk barefoot. She could run barefoot. No, no pain. But as soon as she put the material on the back of the shoe, it would irritate that callus. So we cut out the back of the shoe to try to alleviate some of the pressure on that callus, which helped in those last two weeks going into the race. But we think the humidity on the day, everyone was complaining of extra chafage at certain spots. Noah, you got two big blood blisters underneath your big toes. Yeah, good ones. Good ones, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately for Aaliyah, it just started rubbing on the back of that Achilles where that callus had been. So like you said, you started feeling it at mile two, kept getting worse throughout the race. When you passed me at mile 10, you used a few choice words of, how 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 painful it was every time you would push off, land, swing through, just from the rubbing of the shoe on the back. So I made the call for you to step off so that you weren't going to hurt something else um, by trying to compensate for the way that that Achilles was feeling, especially given that the conditions weren't there for the times that we were looking for. Um, and with some of the races that you have coming up this spring, it just seemed like the smart decision at the time. So kind of take us through what you were feeling. I mean, I, I really, really strongly dislike having to step off of step off of any course or any track during a race. It's not it's not a good feeling and it's still something I'm processing from the weekend, I think. Um, if you're in the unfortunate circumstance of even thinking about dropping out, the only reason that I would want to do it is is if I feel like I'm at risk of like putting my body in a worse place than I entered the race in. And I think we kind of knew entering the race that the last couple weeks had been a little bit of a roll of the dice and we were trying to manage inflammation as quickly as we could. And I mean, even like given, given last year, last, last winter, I had only run outside a couple times before this race. And so I knew that I was, I was no stranger to, creative circumstances and still running well underneath them. And so I think that we felt, we felt that I still had a really good chance of potentially running well. And, um, it just, you know, I, I've gotten lucky a couple times and I feel like maybe my luck just ran out for this, for this time. And, um, just looking forward to a little bit more consistency going into races in the how, future. How much does that start weighing into your, your mind while you're racing? versus trying to hit pace, competing against who you are, versus what you're feeling physically? I think ideally in racing, you want to try to shut your brain off from a lot. You know, race, racing to me is about just trying to master focus, and pain is like the master of distraction, especially especially when you're trying to focus you're trying to focus in a race. And so you're, you're used to having like, you know, we, as athletes, we we're used to having pain that we self inflict in the way that, you know, we're pushing harder and, and we're trying to push limits, but having, but having pain that's outside of that realm, that's not necessarily within 
your control per se, that is a harder pain for much harder pain for me to tune out. Especially I think when you're in a really long race and you know that you have quite a, quite a ways to go. If you're, if you're worried about an injury that weighs on you in a different way. And I really, it takes away from your focus. It absolutely does. Yeah. At what point do you feel like that shift started happening? Oh man, way sooner than I wanted it to. I, I think, I think I started feeling, feeling the heel a couple miles in, but it was really around like mile six that I felt like it was really inhibiting my ability to, to just run well and focus on what I was doing. And even like noticing like discrepancies if I felt off kilter and potentially how I was favoring it. And we had noticed even in practice going in, I had a tendency to run a little bit more on the ball of my foot on that side than the other one. And Which so, is a big concern in a 13 mile race <laughs> running everything on the ball of the foot. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's no like one, there wasn't like one pinpointed moment, but it was something that started pretty early and grew more quickly than I had wanted it to. Now, how's it doing since the race? Um, we're still getting there. <laughs> you still, you, you keep asking me if it's okay for you to run and I keep telling you to hold off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm antsy. Yeah. And some of that is obviously with what you were trying to manage going into the race. We want to make sure that it's clear before starting big buildups for stuff this spring, especially if you start doing it, like we know you're going to get back on the track. So we want to make sure that when you start gaining spikes or when you start trying to run fast and really push off that foot, that's not going to be an issue long-term. Now for both of you guys, you're in kind of a down period before building up this spring. Noah, any big plans on the docket? Um, yeah, I'm going to go home back to the Midwest, uh, go to Indiana and Chicago. And then after a few days there, I'll fly out to San Diego to lay on a beach for a few days and then come back here. So I'll be gone, I don't know, eight days total. So it's nice to do some traveling that doesn't require a race. <laughs> so um, just kind of get out of town for a little while before we start to build up back to track. Aaliyah, yourself? Um, my, my friend is in town, and so... Just shout out Katrina. Shout out to Katrina Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pole vault coach at Chico State. This will be the test to see if she really Chico. listens to the podcast. <laughs> no, so it's, I mean, it's kind of nice to have a friend in town when, to have a buddy when you're when you get to take a little bit of a step back from running, um, just to be able to enjoy the time with them a little bit more. I don't have to worry quite as much about a strict training schedule for a couple days, even though I am very antsy to get back to even just regular running. For both of you guys now in a little bit of a down period, how important do those breaks factor in? Maybe not as much physically as opposed to mentally, just being able to kind of refocus, re-engage, set new goals. What advice would you give? Um, I would say the breaks are, are pretty huge for me, especially coming from a background where I've never really thought of myself as like an elite runner. Like I've always done a lot of other things, even in times of hard training. So when I am living kind of a life of hermitude that you have to live to perform at this level, like I feel like I miss out on a lot of those things that I like to do sometimes. So this is kind of my chance to, to just totally leave it behind and, you know, I'm still jogging every day but just gives me a chance to like be my other self um so when i come back to that kind of hermitude lifestyle of training it, it feels fresher than it did before so um it's not a, it's definitely more of a mental break for me than a physical break physically i've been feeling pretty good but mentally it's always nice to step away for a little while and then kind of come back to it recentered 
and reflect a little bit on what you've done and get excited about what you have coming up and like you said be able to you have you in particular know a lot of your friends are non-runners and so being able to it's hard sometimes for the non-runner friend to understand what the running life especially at the level that you're trying to perform is like and so it's an opportunity to be able to like be part of that non-running circle for a little bit even though like you said you are jogging around a little bit yeah for sure it just makes you know you can pursue pursue other other pleasures for a little while um i i maybe have I think the breaks are really, are definitely important. I think that sometimes the people around me have to help me take a break, um, <laughs> which is why having a friend in town is really awesome. We are different in that way. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But uh, but I know that I need them. Like, I can tell when I'm feeling a little bit flagged, even just even just mentally, you know. I, I think that, I think that mentally I usually pride myself on being a pretty tough athlete and, you know, respecting that I try to give my body a lot of physical rest but respecting that um the mind needs some needs some rest as well and some some time away from it so like Noah said when you come back to it it can feel a little bit more fresh now going into the spring obviously both of you will get back on the track you'll probably have a little bit of a later start no we're at the benefit this year we don't have to necessarily argue your way into meets we can get you into meets what is that going to be like? You've had an opportunity now racing against some really good competition this fall and this winter, different than what you had last spring, but now you get to race those guys on the track, which was a shock to the system at the trials. Yeah. So how do you feel like your mental game going in will be? Um, I think we spent a year as kind of an up-and-comer, and that was fun, and like you know, we had to go to the smaller meets to start lowering times to establish myself, and now it's more transitioning into the runner that that expects himself to be on the line with those guys and expects to compete in those bigger meets. And, and you're not surprising them anymore. And yeah, no one. Yeah, I don't think anyone's shocked at this point. So now it's just a matter of like living up to the expectations of the event. Um, you know, like for example, if I were to start get on the star line of like a Peyton Jordan 10K, it's about showing up there ready to compete with guys like that. Same with the USA. Yeah, exactly. So it's a shift in mindset, but it's one that I think I'm becoming more comfortable with just in the the road racing I've done recently. Like, I can line up with those guys and know that I belong instead of being as starstruck as I would have been a year ago. Um, So it's a fun transition. It's one I'm I'm kind of looking forward to making. And Aaliyah, that's something you've emphasized in the past, too. The track is something that holds a special place because you do get to compete against some of those top women whereas not a lot of them transition up to the marathon. But the marathon, you know, will eventually be your your foremost focus. But the track is something you don't want to deviate too far from. I think a big part of that is just kind of plays into mental freshness, too. Like, I, I love the marathon, and I still feel like I really have yet to totally hit my stride in it, even though even though I really feel like it's where, it's where I will excel the most. Um, but man, I'm I'm tired after after a after a build up, and I think that a lot of other people would relate to. And so I think having just different training stimulus throughout the year is has been really great for me, both physically developing as as a runner, um, but mentally too. You know, it lets me it lets me focus on different aspects of of training, which is great. And you have some shiny new toys and some young fast teammates that'll help pull you through some speed sessions. I do. I need that help. Noah, you, you'll be able to work out with a few of the new guys. How is that going to be comparative to what you were doing this fall, where a lot of your stuff 
even though you're you may be in the same session with some of those guys, it a lot of it is solo because you were trained for some of that longer stuff. Are you excited to be able to work out with other people, or do you like kind of the solo aspect of training? Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag with me. Um, I'm very comfortable running workouts alone. Um, I've never felt like someone who needs someone else on the track to to hit a to hit a rep. Um, that said, we do have guys on the team now who have a diverse skill set in terms of in terms of speed. So there's a lot of guys on the team now who are a lot faster than me over shorter distances, and that's something severely uh, lacking, I'd say, in my repertoire right now. Um, like all the distance that I lost in the at Houston in the half marathon happened in the last quarter mile, and some of those guys put 10 seconds on me in a quarter mile. So to really compete at that at the level that I'm like shooting for, I have to be able to run, I have to be able to sprint, and uh, I think those guys can teach me some of that, um, even if I'm just hanging on the back. Yeah, and that's something too where you like the rhythm of the track. You like doing a lot of your like longer intervals on that ability to just click off splits. How has that transition been this fall with trying to do some of your longer stuff on the roads, knowing that mentally it's maybe not the most comfortable for you? Yeah, it's uh, like I'd prefer to do it on the track, but I think you learn stuff doing doing intervals on the road. Um, and, you know, you're practicing on the surface that you're racing on, you're handling turns, you're handling tangents, um, you're, you know, the rise and fall of the road is another thing that can be hard to get used to if you never run on it. So, so I definitely think I, I gained something from doing all the, all the road intervals, even if it wasn't my favorite thing, um, favorite thing to do. I, I saw the benefit of it, even if I didn't love it in, you know, the moment. And Aaliyah, you're the opposite when you have to do longer stuff on the track, like, it is difficult. Yeah, I, well, I think I would, I just, I guess the roads to me are easier, it's easier to distract myself from the pain of working out a little bit, because I can focus on, like, okay, when I when I go around this turn, I'm so far through the repeat, so I'm going to drive hard around the turn, then I'm going to cruise a little bit, I'm going to drive up this small little hill, knowing that I'll hit a small downhill, it just, it's really interactive to me, and so, um, yeah, it just it's it's a different mind game, I guess, on the track. Now, one other thing that's kind of a mind game that we have to deal with being up here at altitude, especially when you're training for a winter race, is the quick changes in weather conditions that we experience up here. Having to deal with sometimes treadmill workouts versus shoveling a track to get in some of the, the interval work. What advice would you give people that have to go through that same thing, mentally staying engaged and focused for what you have coming up from a goal standpoint, even though the conditions may play a significant factor in your ability to handle training as normal? Um, I think you just have to be adaptable. Um, the week before Houston, we got hit with a pretty big snowstorm, and so I think I did four workouts on the treadmill like consecutively, and you kind of search for a bright side, like we knew it was going to be warm in, warm in Houston, so you know, training indoors where I'm sweating, and uh, you know, it's, it's hot inside, so... I think that probably benefited me a little bit more than anything, but yeah, just about, you know, getting through one day and at a time and just cranking it out and hoping for better days ahead. Really. And you have to be careful with treadmill stuff too, right? Coach V Hill told us, Aaliyah, how one reason he doesn't like the treadmill a lot is because it's hard for you to perceptively gain, gauge effort like you would outside. Because outside, if you get tired, you slow down. Whereas on the treadmill, you're just trying to keep up with the belt. So it's easy to think 
one more step, one more step, one more step, but you can easily run yourself into the hole that way too. Which I, I think I'm a little bit of a master of doing. Yeah, um. <laughs> I think Aaliyah terrified some of the people at the rec center. Brian was right next to her on the treadmill. I was working at a coffee shop. Aaliyah is doing her 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 tempo, jumps off the treadmill, hacks up some spit in the trash can, jumps back on the treadmill, and keeps going. That's what it and takes. Brian's like, <laughs> she is nuts. That's yeah. what it takes. Yeah, I think some people at the gym think I have a real problem. Maybe I do. Um, and you're no, not. But, a, you're, but, we say that people at home probably think you're a neurotic. You are not a neurotic athlete, but you are very you. driven and focused when it comes to your training. Neurotic like, person, but not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, dude. But it's 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 different when we're saying like you're you scare some people at the gym because they're not normally seen, especially girls cranking that fast at the rec center. But you're just trying to get in the training the way that it's intended to be done, like you would outside. And sometimes that can physically not feel the most comfortable, especially when you're not used to that humidity in that environment. Yeah. I mean, to kind of echo what Noah was saying, this time of year in Colorado, if we're getting hit with snow, you just, you have to be kind of ready to roll with the punches and again, just legitimately do the best with what you have to work with on the day. And sometimes that's a treadmill. Um, Sometimes that's a treadmill in a very hot room (laughs) where your stomach's not reacting the way that you would like it to. So it just... It's really more, I think the hardest thing about winter here is that you can lock into a routine just a little bit less than usual. Um, It's not that you can't get in good training because I think that we still do get in really good training even when it's too icy to run fast outside, but it's maybe more of like a mental, like mental stretch than anything. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, when it's cold and snowy outside, we don't have the ability uh, to drive down the mountain to do a workout like Big Bear might have, which they're in a fortunate position that they do have that luxury. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of have to manage the conditions the best way we can. We don't have access to an indoor track, so treadmill is the best option when the roads just aren't safe enough to push. And sometimes it's frustrating, right, because the weather's warm, the sun is out, but it's still icy, and we just know that all it takes is one patch to end the season. So we have to play it safe sometimes, almost too safe in circumstances when when it looks like it should be feasible to go outside. But it, you do what you have to in order to get the training in and keep your body healthy. All right, well, thanks, guys, for kind of recapping uh, Houston half. Noah, big PR. Obviously, we, we wanted more, but still leaves room for improvement. We'll get it. Well, we will. And Aaliyah, obviously, the humidity played a, a role footwear blister issues can't always control but it just leaves you hungry for the next thing yeah yeah definitely all right thanks guys